Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This was the worst episode of Legends of Tomorrow I've ever seen. Not. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Legends of Tomorrow After Show. We're breaking down season four, season four, episode four, Wet Hot American Bummer. Let's do it. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Look at that. The dancing is back. We've got it. Welcome, everybody, to the Legends of Tomorrow After Show, breaking down every episode this season of Legends of Tomorrow, airing Monday nights here on The CW. Look at this, this dancing hunk. I'm ready right for the there. summer. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Frank Moran. Uh, I'm another one of your hosts, Lex Michael. That's right. And, of course, Mr. Dave Child, out tending to a, uh, an ailing friend, so we hope that friend is getting much better. Indeed. Speak. And uh, Lucretia Lyon, the usual fourth member of our beloved Legends of Tomorrow panel. Uh, she is, due to other uh, commitments and uh, time constraints, is not going to be able to join us for the season of Legends of Tomorrow uh, and on, on an ongoing basis. Our hope is that every so often she might be able to duck in, pull like a rib hunter, pop in from time to time, and uh, you know, mix our life upside down. My, my hope is that maybe later this year, a leprechaun wearing her face will join our team. Oh, uh, fingers crossed. There you go. So, uh, she always has a permanent seat waiting for her here on the on the on the wave rider, as we like to say. But yes. uh, hey, well, we wish her the best, and we look forward to seeing her whenever she can make time for us. Yes, absolutely. But uh, without further ado, folks, like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and of course, the chat is up and running. So feel free to hop in and share your thoughts about. Anything Legends of Tomorrow related, uh, whether it's about this episode in particular or just the series in general. But before we dive into the particulars, Lex, what did you think of the episode overall? So I had a lot of fun with this episode, but let me describe to you very broadly my experience. So uh, early in the episode, we get uh, a cutesy half reference to and a very explicit reference to Swamp Thing. So from that moment, I spent the duration of the episode, the full remainder, caught in this hellish limbo between my knowledge that due to the DC streaming service about to kind of get their own Swamp Thing show going, he was almost certain to not appear, and my absolute all-consuming need to see him appear. So there were moments that... Maybe maybe you're kind of a blur. We're going to see as you walk me through this how much of it I, I was actually fully present for because I was I was feeling very, very swampy. Now, you know, certainly they, DC or and Warner Brothers for the longest time had that constriction where it's uh, – if somebody's on a TV series, they're not going to appear in a film. And then the lines get blurred with The Flash. So that was, you know, uh, with, the, with the success of the and, TV series. And now far further with Superman. Yes. We're seeing them cross the divide. Would that seem? I wonder if DC would be up for like you could do your own Swamp Thing in the Berlantiverse, uh, if you wanted to have him pop up just for an episode, uh, and it wouldn't affect anything that we're going to do with the streaming service. We could separate those two. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be great. I don't know if they would. I think I don't know if they do that. I feel like it's like maybe that's crossing the streams a little bit too much. Like, all right, we can kind of break down the wall between film and television in that way because, like, all right, we're going to do these kind of Elseworlds type things on the big screen, and now you can kind of play in this sandbox. 
But if we're going to make our own TV show with this character over here, maybe you don't get to take him for your TV thing over here. Yeah, which is a shame because if you have Constantine, and we do get to see him name check Swamp Thing this episode, that at some point you want to see the two of them on screen together in some fashion. Somewhere in the back, and I, this is, is a me problem, but in the back of my mind the entire episode, I'm like, but why would you do that to me? <laughs> That's so mean. Well, I mean, it starts off very quickly because at the beginning of the episode we have Ava and Sarah, you know, having a little time together watching a movie, and uh, they're watching Swamp, Swamp Thang. Thang. Uh, four A's because that is the fourth film in the series, and I do like that. That's the way. Uh, more sequels could go, could benefit by just elongating Friday their the Thirteenth, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. That would be fantastic. Mm. I go that route. That's a really cool uh, bit. But I thought this was an, uh, uh, an interesting way to kind of figure out the the mystical anomaly for the episode, where Sarah does not even recognize, as she says, she's watched horror movies all her life. She does not remember this one ever. I'm sorry, I'm still playing the game in my head of adding letters to the titles of sequels. Yes. Sue's Halloween! <laughs> or like, Suspiria! <laughs> and they're screaming, right? So it's like, it's oh, yes. seven or eight A's, because this is clearly, first, the remake made so much bank that we're doing like eight of these. It's the new Avengers. And it's also that scary. Oh, that, yeah, that, <laughs> it, uh, oh, that would be nice. All right. It's it's time for us to start making our own little horror verse where we can just start adding letters to different things. It's going to be great. But uh, I did like this because it was just a nice little twist on finding out who uh, the, the mystical anomaly. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Hashtag Swamp Bang forever. Yeah, because it's a nice thing where it's the mystical anomalies, but they also are affecting time. So which kind of delves nicely into the Wave Rider and the Legends kind of... Their job parameters. For sure. And we also kind of set up, I mean, we get all the Swamp Thing teases, but I also like when we set up our premise, we're met with a sort of uh, like a Friday the, thir- the 13th-esque scenario where we get to go back, we get to spend time in a summer camp. Like it. Yeah. Uh, now we do see the uh, the legends ahead back there. The uh, Constantine, though, for as much as he said, I will never, ever, ever dress up, he does don a, a camp counselor costume for the majority of the episode. Go to the kids. Right, go so far as to lose the tie. He relinquishes yes. his tie. Uh, it, it, admittedly, it was it, unusual seeing uh, Matt Ryan rocking that the, the polo and shorts. It, it really was. Um, if you if the camera was only about like if it, he was like what maybe chest up in the shot with the lanyard, it almost kind of looked like he was wearing the tie, like mm-hmm. the, the kind of a color themed tie, which I'm sure would make Constantine feel a lot better. True, but once you get down lower and you see the shorts. It's, it, you know, I love wearing shorts. I wear shorts as much as humanly possible. Yeah. But admittedly, it, uh, shorts do not make you look super heroic. I'm not a shorts guy, me personally. I have no business in shorts. You have absolutely all the business in the world to be That's shorts. my motto. That's actually my whole brand. Lex Michael, no business in shorts. <laughs> That's a popular brand. All right, uh, but I actually that. like the idea of Constantine keep going back to his entire traditional wardrobe but retaining the shorts that for, like, aerodynamism. That would actually be excellent. I liked it so, you know, as much as I didn't want to do this, Sarah, I, you had something with those shorts. All right, I'm going to do this. It's like now. everywhere I go, there's this lovely breeze on my legs. I'm not <laughs> angry anymore. Like, I gave up cigarettes. I'm sober. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I guess, because I can't think of any. You've got you know, the Supermans and the Batmans and the early versions wearing the, the underwear outside the uh, the the long well, you uh, the like leggings. Uh, you like uh, Robin the Boy Wonder. Yeah, rocking the rocking the legs and the little short shorts. I but I, I guess the, I, the only thing of Robin then is really somebody that wore shorts or at least something akin to that that uh, was a superhero. Well, in terms of male characters, certainly true. Yes, female characters. Yes, you've got 
now now what I'm holding out for is Constantine in like the old school Catwoman outfit where it's just the leotard with the legs and like the kind of weird half cape looking thing. <laughs> I actually my I enjoyed that one uh, the best out of all of them. It's a good one. The uh so we do find out that there's a disturbance back in nineteen ninety five at Camp uh Ogawa in Maine. So they need to go back and find out what kind of mystical shenanigans were happening back then. And uh Ray is no surprise. And Ray is no surprise is excited about going back to camp. Yes. Uh, called Kid Counselor back in his day. Yeah. Who he thought that was a compliment. No. It's no. Were you, were, were you, kid, were you a summer camp kid? That's actually my first question. I never went to summer camp. Did you? I did, but never that kind of like outdoorsy sleepaway summer camp. Like I went to like sleepaway programs. Like I did kind of, but there's more like a study abroad type thing. Okay. Than it was like, you know, traditional summer camp like depicted in this episode. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I feel like I missed anything. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. The people who went seem to have gotten a bunch out of it. Yeah, I. I think I would. I do not think I would be homesick at all during that. I think I would. I uh, would have relished the opportunity to be on my own. Please for let me a, stay a here. Time. Yeah, I I, I'm literally back. stapling my feet <laughs> to the floor of this cabin. That's true. I would almost feel like I had been in prison. I would be able to acclimate back to regular home life. Right. So after that, throwing me back in the box. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, but like I never, I never did. I, I wonder though, because I was, I was, uh, I wouldn't have been like the Ray Palmer, and I don't think I would have been the Ava either. But I was somewhere on that, like in that realm, where it's just like I'm gonna, I don't know how to, how to do what y'all are doing. I'm gonna be over here and be like, hello. <laughs> But I did like what Sarah said. There, she enjoyed camp, and then she remembered one of her summers that she got to be, uh, but uh, color guard because she beat the the green team. Right. So I, I, I can imagine, you know, the, the satisfaction of kind of being the underdog, and then finally achieving that that uh, long desired victory in the like the end of summer end of summer competition. Right, and like you know, there's the camaraderie building, and like you know, the hopefully healthy competition and so forth. Yeah, like I kind of get, I get it. I have always been intrigued by archery. And I took a little bit in college. Right. But I feel like maybe if I'd gone to camp during my summer or during my more formative years and did a lot of archery. Maybe you would have been the Green Arrow. I, I could have. I could have been. Oh, my mom and my dad. What did you do to me? You ruined my life. Uh, so we, the, idea, the idea is that we got to try to find out what's happening. These kids are disappearing. Let's start kind of acclimating, uh, being counselors to these kids and see if we can kind of you know, work out the, the, the kids' secrets for camp. Right. And uh, Sarah, I feel like Sarah, being the team leader, wants to do it in really f- and loving camp, wants to do it in really fun team building ways. Yeah, where do you? Yeah, where do you come down on the tactical approaches of Sarah versus Ava? I man, it's Sarah. You're you're gonna get more flies with honey than vinegar. My right, that's my thought. And eventually, that's what they end up having to do. Right, they end up doubling down on Sarah's plan by having to literally become them. Now, granted, time may be of the essence, but I would think the way you build their trust is, yeah, get them on your side, make them feel like you are one of them, and then they're more inclined when you got to be like, okay, girls, run from the monster. They'll be like, okay, we trust you. Yeah. It's uh, Ava's tactic to just, you know, just scare them and use uh, fear and intimidation to to get them just to do what she wants. That's That'll get you to do something in the moment, but what happens to, what happens to Ava is that they end up pranking her because they can't stand her. Right. Yeah, that it doesn't. It's not a great. It's not a good long term leadership tactic. No, uh, which was a which is a shame. But Ray, but then flip it over to Ray and uh, John. Ray wants to do meditation. John wants to just skip right to it and start doing hypnotism. Yes, 
which would you want to do that kind of like, hey, we're going to bond, or would you take like the short way out, the shortcut, like John would, and say, let's just get with the information we need right now? I think in my heart of hearts, I would want to take a page out of Ray's book, and I think ultimately it would work out better for everybody if I just sort of got in, did the hypnotism, figured out what we need, beat the demon, and got out of there. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did like how that sequence was cut together, especially using the uh, the pocket watch and the, the uh, rotating back and forth, pendulating back and forth as a way to kind of cut between the scenes. Yeah, there was some cool imagery there, and I really I like their dynamic a lot. I love in this uh, in this episode and also the previous episode, which I wasn't here last week to talk with you about. I really love how now we're seeing more and more of Constantine's relationships with the individual team members developing. Like last week when. Uh, he made Mick angry and Mick and him started a bar fight like little moments like that so getting to see Ray and Constantine kind of off on their own little sub quest and watching those two personalities bounce back and forth I thought yielded a bunch yeah it's it's interesting because when you take somebody that is as uh, hopeful and as optimistic as Ray and then put him in scenes with Constantine who's been to hell and back and and, and knows that about himself and knows that if anybody like Ray gets around him only bad things are going to happen to him at, uh, but I feel like this episode also wanted to like show Constantine. Well, no, good things can happen too. Uh, in terms of you know Ray's wisdom being picked up um, by some of the uh, kids at camp. Sometimes in life, you just got to put on the shorts. <laughs> I to jump ahead when when Constantine finally gets a chance because Ava just says, "Hey Ray, uh, you and John go into the forest and see if you can track down this creature. Ava and I will stay here and protect the kids." Yeah, I like that Constantine. His first thing is like, you know what? Before we even get anywhere near that forest, I am changing back into my pants, my shirt, tie, and uh, my trench coat. That's yeah. what I'm doing before doing anything else. And you know he spoke to no one about it. He was just like, F this, and grabbed his stuff and went. <laughs> and so I just want to see that scene where Ray is just like standing outside the Wave Rider just waiting for him. What's he doing? Oh, man, okay. Why did we come back here? And like Constantine was only changing for the first, I don't know, uh, 100 seconds or so. The next seven minutes, he's just standing there drinking. <laughs> He's like, I'm got, I got to get him ready. Like he's just, but you know, I also feel like Constantine is somebody that uh, does take the magical threat seriously. He's not. He's. He, it's not one of those where I'm blowing all my responsibilities off. He, if there's something going on, he wants to get it taken care of. But I can understand why. I, I guess not wanting to wear shorts or a polo shirt might trump that for a moment. To say, like, all right, I got to go change. Isn't it nice, though, that, like, Ray Palmer, for example, he's he's been in this world of superheroes and, and might and magic and all that for, for some years now, doing this job specifically that he's in his fourth. And I love how he's still so... He comes to it so pure. He's so not jaded. He still managed to... Uh, he gets caught up in the whimsy of every adventure every time. Uh, I want to ask you just one thing, just in terms of the appearance of Ray Palmer. His, his hair... Has gotten so Pompadour esque. I know. Where at the beginning of the episode, I was like, "That is huge on your head, Ray. What is going on?" It looks a little bit like he's competing with Constantine's hair. <laughs> it it was just so puffed up. I was like, "All right, Brandon Routh." I, I like it though. I feel I feel like he's kind of rocking it. I mean, it, it 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 was distracting for a moment while I was trying to figure out like that is just a big head of hair, right on top of that skull. But it takes it takes a real man to pull off hair like that, man. Like I don't, great. I don't think I could do it. I, I feel like the way they've portrayed Ray this season has been better. I mean, it's only four episodes in, and there, there's room to either improve or 
kind of uh, stumble off course. But so far over these four episodes, I, I've liked what they've been doing with Ray. Oh, I like him. Uh, I always liked the character and I liked Brandon Routh's portrayal, but I'm liking him better this season than I ever have. And I think we talked uh, two weeks ago, maybe briefly, about Ray Palmer's gradual slide across the Arrowverse into full-on cartoonish madness. Yeah. And that's exactly where I feel like the sweet spot for that character is. But I, there's, I think there's a bridge too far, like when he went to go uh, by himself last season to uh, save Nora and then just ends up getting tra- trapped by a Damien or it's like he sometimes he just is a little too dumb very like, yes very bad at, especially for somebody that ostensibly brilliant very bad at tactics yes so when I feel like there's that sweet spot where when they get to that point I'm like why are you writing this character that obtuse? Right. But when they dial it back just a little bit, then I feel like I'm in that sweet spot that you're talking about. Well, what I appreciate, too, is, like, they finally... We didn't we didn't take too many episodes. Like, these these shows, because they, they operate uh, loosely like soap operas and sometimes not so loosely like soap operas. We've had instances across all the Arrowverse shows of characters withholding information from each other for very long periods of time for no reason other than to artificially juke up stakes when, in fact everybody's needs are better served by getting it out there. So I like that, like, with with Zari's kind of push, Ray lets them know at the end of the episode, like, I did help Nora escape from the Time Bureau. Now we can actually hopefully use this to our advantage, and at the very least, you guys know. So better, you know, maybe an an uphill motion in terms of his decision-making abilities. I Let's take a moment to uh, talk about that for a second. But uh, before we do that, you know, we are just one of many after shows here. It's true. And after Buzz. I mean, holy cow. There's a there's a, a wide swath of programming that you could you could get yourselves involved in if you wanted to take the time. Isn't that looks? It's true. Hey, After Buzzers, our network does produce after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows, from dramas, reality TV, sci-fi, and more. There is no network that works harder to serve television fans. But we need your help. Absolutely. We are asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. By subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that is tailor-made for you, and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about pesky notifications, don't be, because they are optional. So hit that subscribe button now for this channel. Yes. And check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know you did so in the comments, and we'll thank you on the air. For now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. Oh, look at that. Uh, I want to ask you just in terms of the overall structure of a season for Legends of Tomorrow. Sure. And it kind of falls into the same pattern as any of the DC uh, TV universe shows, uh, where the big bad is kind of introduced at the beginning of the season, usually the first episode, and then it gets sprinkled in sporadically throughout the we season. We dance around it a lot. They're, they're mentioned in whispers and like, oh, this dude's really scary. Like, you thought that guy was scary. Wait till mm-hmm. you get a load of this guy. And then it doesn't really start ramping up until usually the back half of the season, more specifically like the last quarter. And I, I would – how would you say like, – like last season, I feel like they maybe waited a little bit too long mm-hmm. uh, before we finally kind of uh, quote-unquote got there in terms of malice. Yeah, because I don't know if it's certainly – I guess the risk you run is that is there not enough story there to – you can't if you did it every single week. You're going to be done half season probably, right? Which, in a way, I wouldn't be bad about it. And then you do the second half of the season to tell a different story, right? I'd be totally down for that. I would you prefer them to do that as a treat, like these split the season in half and tell two different stories that might have some kind of touchstones between each other, or 
the way they do it now where there's the big bad sprinkled in, then kind of picks up towards the end, and you do these kind of standalone episodes along the way. I like I like as long as you're ultra pacing conscious season long. I, I think Legends, more than any of the other shows in this universe, lends itself to the version of it where you do kind of sprinkle it in because it lends itself to having all of these one-off adventures. You can go off to this scenario uh, in this uh, part of the timeline that is completely disconnected from this one, this one, this one, this one. Everybody learns some lesson that they carry with them into the next adventure, but it sort of operates as its own individual story. I think this show sustains that potentially far better than any of the other shows where I actually think sometimes they may benefit from exactly what you're describing, like kind of speed, not speeding through but accelerating the pace at which they're telling certain stories so that they can tell it maybe a little bit more economically. And then, yeah, kind of pivot. I, you know, I think I would agree with you that if I were to pick a series, I think I would rather, like, something like Flash would benefit, I think, tremendously by doing two two different big bads and split it up halfway through the season. Right. Because I feel like the pacing for that for that show sometimes bugs me. But so far this season, I have even though we've introduced this threat under... The big threat, big mystical threat, which happens also seemed like it's going to be the big threat that's also pursuing Constantine. Yes. Uh, we really haven't seen it for the last couple episodes. Uh, anything really. I mean, other than the season premiere, nothing's really been specifically addressed about it. We've gotten uh, a couple more oblique references to Constantine's haunted past. But yes, nothing specifically pertaining to this, this uh, massive threat. And I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm enjoying the... Constantine's dynamic within the legends that it's not bothering me that we're not learning more about it because right now it's like no I'm, I'm still enjoying it I haven't gotten like all right hey are we ever going to find out more about this big bad right but I don't know are you feeling like hey we should be moving further I along? think I'm exactly where you are I'm barely I'm barely thinking about it I'm having so much fun with this dynamic and just having Constantine there and suddenly it's all about magic and demons and we're fighting leprechauns like I'm so in the bag for all of that <laughs> I, yes, I hope that we do start to build on some of this stuff plot-wise sooner rather than later, but I'm in the same space, man. I'm just like, this is more of this. But more Swamp Thing, please, but like short of that, more <laughs> of this. It's it, What is nice about this as well is that by introducing Charlie into the mix, and who looks like a Maya but is completely different and is – I thought Ava had a nice way of describing it uh, when she kind of pitched why she thought – the legends were keeping her on the wave rider. It's just a way to kind of drill her for information about, you know, where they come from and all this stuff, which kind of makes sense from Ava's point of view. Like that's the reason you would take somebody and keep them kind of uh, and interrogate them for some length of time. Right. It totally tracks. And of course, as we see, the way it pans out is that it effectively seems to now be potentially her role going forward, just voluntarily, as opposed to in captivity. And I think it it because as much as I love Constantine within the team, I also feel like it would start to become very formulaic if. Every episode, it's Constantine that is always providing the information, and Constantine that is always uh, is summoning the portal to, to capture this demon and send it to hell. They started switching it up this episode, which I thought was nice. And you have potentially uh, now. Do do we know for sure that Constantine is going to be in the entirety of this season? As far as I know, he's been contracted to be. I mean, he's got that Heather Locklear uh, title credit. Which is great, like special appearance by Matt Ryan, right? But uh, I, as far as I know, he's here for the length of the season. Okay, cool. Because so. I was going to say, like, you could you could potentially take the Charlie character, either sideline Constantine or take him off immediately, and now you've got somebody who is an expert in magic but can't sort of Deus Ex magic you out of most of your problems. That's true too. But I hope they don't do that because I I want I want the dude around. I, but I could easily, as much as I I have been enjoying Constantine and I always appreciate his appearances. 
and his dynamics within the just not only this series but also being on Arrow as well. It was cool to see him on that. Yeah, I I realistically don't see him lasting doing more than one season. I don't think. But Frank, who's going to talk about Swamp Thing? I know, but I also feel like I would see I would see the dynamics switched up by the end of the season. They've kind of solved the mystical uh, problem that they've had, and something else spins out of that. And I feel like that's so easy way to kind of close the door and like at least Constantine's continuous involvement. Right. And Constantine's like, I'm taking my new shorts and leaving. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but we see with uh, Charlie uh, being held in captivity, understandably so. Uh, nobody wants to be held in a prison. But uh, and so Zari is all fine about it. But she starts talking to Mick and her and Mick starts some bonding there, which. You know, under, if you're going to talk to anybody about being in a prison, Mick is the obvious one to do so. Now, granted, this is just this is just the first the first few morsels of this relationship that we've gotten. I don't know about you, but I like this so far. The dynamic between Mick and Charlie. It is. Uh, I mean, Sarah. Sarah has definitely been on the dark side for sure, but uh, and so can understand Mick, but is also somebody that is actively trying to chase something more lighter and brighter in her life. Sure. So Charlie has this has this history with Mick. Doesn't seem like she's you know she doesn't want to be an evil person, but she is also not looking to like change her life and you know turn a new chapter. She's just like, nope, this is me, and I really don't want to go back. And I feel like completely can relate to Mick on that level. Absolutely, and not for nothing. I like that she sort of comes from the same world as Constantine, but it's somebody Mick can hang with as opposed to somebody who he wants to punch in a bar. I it'll be interesting because how did you feel about Constantine? Locking her into form. It makes it great because you get Maisie back on the show, but you also then lose another ability in the show. Okay, yes. Um, how did I feel about it? I went, when that moment happened, I just was like, oh, okay, that's how we're going to do this. All right. But, like, you could have wait, waited for her to, like, rotate through one more. Day, like, but he doesn't know. Because for, for half a second, I was like, no, dude, why? Why then? No. <laughs> but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know. So for all he knows, this is some random person they've never met. But that was my, I was like, oh, okay, that's how we're going to do this. That's cute. Yeah, but then now she's just basically a depowered uh, demon. Yes. Or some kind of magical creature. Oh, well, the leprechaun. Yeah. Uh, but it it seems weird to have somebody on the Wave Rider that does not have, uh, like, a power base of any sort. Yeah, and they really did make a point to say, no, 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 we cannot undo this. Yes. So I, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, she could... Ray could build her some technology or something like that. So there's ways that she can get artificially augmented, but it does seem weird because she's right now it just seems like she's going to be just a useful source of information. Right. Not not really like I don't know if she's still super strong as uh as some kind of magical creature. It, does she have enhanced strength? Oh, right. yeah, I have no I mean, she was smashing her way against that force field, but it wasn't giving. But that is no, I don't think that's a real indicator on anything. Right. You'd hope on the Wave Rider they would have force fields. Like, you'd hope they could lock up Grodd if they had an opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that would have been a nice opportunity. Really, really minor detail that I liked quite a bit. The scene where Charlie and Mick are drinking together. Yes. Uh, and he's like, what is this? He's talking about how it's uh, hooch and he spent time in a gulag. Um, I really like that if you look at the little bottles, they have custom blue labels on them that say gulag. <laughs> I was a big fan of that. Uh, you know, I feel like that that uh, a little bit early, but it feels like it, it ties nicely into our, our segment, the, the, the always so popular segment that we love to do every week, and that is where's the beef? My boy Josh, right on it. I love it. My beef, my beef. Can I really quickly not to not to preempt you, but again, I wasn't with you last week. Do you remember what beef I missed out on last week that maybe I could have 
taken from you and eaten? My beef last week was going to be that I was not excited about the uh, the trope that we were going to see, where eventually Nate is going to run into Charlie, who Got looks it. like Amaya. And my one I don't really enjoy that much, where somebody runs into somebody that looks like somebody that they laid lost, and then it's like, oh, they, my gosh, they look like my lost love. But they're not my lost love. And not for nothing, this is one mm. of those decisions that I was talking about before where it's like, just tell him there's a leprechaun on the ship that looks like a Maya. All right? Just that's why it's probably better if you stay here. That's why. Okay, dude? Okay. Yeah. So that it's not a totally shattering shock later. And then it's like, you guys didn't tell me this? The heck. Yeah. So then we have to see those beats play out, which I'm like, Ugh. okay, uh. I'm not going to I'm not going to eat. Th- I'm going to I'm going to leave the beef there. Oh, all right. So I'll let's so so slap this other uh, beef fresh off the grill right down in front of me and let's see if I find it appetizing. Right. All right. So we've got uh, Charlie and Mick. They're sitting there. They're they're chatting away uh, about this. And uh, uh, Charlie tells Mick, like, you know, I spent time works differently where I was at. And, you know, like a huge hunk of time passed. And Mick's like, whoa, I just can't believe anything like that. That's crazy that you had to go through that. Why does Mick not share the fact that, you know what? The Time Masters, they subjected me to hundreds and hundreds of years that turned me into Kronos. I went through all this, too. I can completely understand what it's like to be in kind of uh, in a captivity, captive state like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this beef on the grounds that Mick's not a sharer. Why? But you you have somebody you can completely relate to somebody that is telling you something like oh yeah I can understand that totally. But I feel like I feel like I feel like it would take Mick several conversations to say more than uh, about it. Plus you notice no one really talks about the time he was Kronos. Yeah, but come on, that is a part of the character. I mean he it is it is canon. But it's interesting that you bring that up though because I would have forgotten about it if you hadn't. And it feels a little bit like the show has forgotten about it. Well, it definitely feels like Mick conveniently backslides in intelligence when he was seemed to be so uh, kind of crafty and and ahead of the curve as Kronos. Kind of backslid. Since oh, man, then. I forgot about that entire subplot. Ah, see? Will you eat that beef? I still, honestly, Mick is not a sharer is enough for me. That, that is not, no. It really is. You it don't have really to go, is. But you don't have to go into specifics. If somebody was telling you, they've been drinking, they've been having this long conversation, they've gotten to a point where Mick is feels comfortable around her. He doesn't have to go into details, but he goes, oh, yeah, you know, try try being, you know, a uh, prisoner of the Time Masters for X number of years. But didn't he have some line about doing time with his partner? Like, referencing Snart, like, he had some line about that. I feel like that's a lot of sharing for Mick if he just met you. Oh, boy. Think about how long it took him, how many years on the Wave Rider for, like, for his friends to find out he was an aspiring writer, for example. Dude doesn't open up. He is going to share a convicted, uh, a, a convict story with a fellow convict. I, I hope so. Eventually, I totally agree that the basis mm-hmm. is there for that bond, and I want them to. I want those kids to form a lasting friendship with each other. But no, yes, I'm going to eat. Slide that over. I'm just going to. I don't. I don't accept this eating. It's better. It's medium. What's this sauce? Uh, it's a it's a light teriyaki base. That's pretty good. You make this? I did. Yeah, oh. it's a, you know, it's a you know, family recipe. Bravo. Yeah, thanks. I, I do you agree with Lex that he eat my beef or did he not eat my I, I feel like he did not eat my beef. So comment comment in the in the chat. Comment down below if you're watching this after streaming live. Did Lex eat this beef? I say no. I wanna I wanna know what you say. That's right. I want to hear these. You know what I said? You're wa- you watched me pantomime it over here. I did. I, I committed to the entire <laughs> pantomime, so you know where I'm at. I know exactly where Lex is at. He, uh, Lex, feel, Lex feels like he has a full belly right now, uh, full of my beef. Where's the beef? Thank you, Josh. All right. 
So we get down to the end of the episode. And yes. what I did like about it is that the, the big hook about trying to find out what this deal is with this creature is the best way to find it is that Sarah and Ava need to turn uh, 12 years old. Or I, I, how old they are were this. Yeah, give they had to like literally yes. be the kids so that they could sway the kids into not being killed by a witch, I guess. Yeah. Um, I liked these young actresses quite a bit. I thought they did a great job. They really kind of dialed in to the adult versions of those characters. Like very much captured their personalities. Yeah. I, I really liked that. And uh, the way that, yeah, just, uh, Ava, just so hard to kind of get into the the groove of it. Like, oh, wait, the truth. I choose truth. Right. No, no, no you, want to do, you want to do a dare. You want to do a dare. See, and I feel like I feel like I I wasn't the you know pneumonia is a serious disease kid. <laughs> I wasn't that kid, but I, that I think how she felt in that room was how I felt. <laughs> what I because I thought about this, and I was glad that the show really talked about it because it really got to the core of why Ava was so uncomfortable. Is that all her memories of being a child are programmed into her? Right. There was a moment when Sarah first pitched that plan when Ava very understandably took a little bit of offense to it and kind of like walked away. Sarah had this look on her face, like, "All right." Yeah. <sighs> and they played that all in real time too. <laughs> in that scene, it's like, man, they're really staying on this on her for a long it's like time. They, could, they skipped an ad break. Yeah. Like I just <laughs> counted seconds. They skipped over an ad break to run this scene. I really get to see her go through in her mind. Yeah. I've, ooh. <laughs> oh, man. She really worked it out. <laughs> but I thought it was like, yeah, that's right. Uh, so often you forget that though Ava, you know, while she can be kind of a stickler for the rules, uh, she, and but otherwise seems like a normal human being, does indeed have actors as parents and her life as a uh, child programmed into her. Yeah, I uh, I like this conceptually in as much as that that sort of um, authoritarian approach to kids has its root in her not getting her own authentic happy childhood. You know, I, I, I like that on paper. It's very you can empathize with that pretty easily. I think. Uh, so we do find out that the the monster of the week is a is a Stiga, which is basically like a vampiric witch. Yes, who drains your life energy at a slow pace. So the the hope is that while kids have been missing that uh, they could still probably hopefully reclaim them before they're, they've died and, and restore their life force to them and save the kids. But uh, they did a little bait and switch. You think it's going to – which they do bait and switch because they make you think it's camp director. Which I which felt to me like, oh, okay, if this is where we're going, then we really are. We're doubling down on the Friday the 13th of it all. Yeah. And that's not where we were going. So they, they just knock out a senile old lady? She – like she was, It looked like she was definitely trying to attack them. Yeah, because – I don't know, like that 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 camp director looks so like flushed, yeah, and creepy when she when they encounter her at night as they're following that rope to go to the uh, the meeting point to do some smoochies, but uh, <laughs> to do some smoochies. So I want to know like what the why why was the director out there? Maybe she had heard rumors about this and wanted to kind of nip everything in the bud. But why was she so flushed and worked up and all that stuff? Because she looked crazy. She was so concerned for the children. And she was running around all evening in in the bog and the swampy air. Maybe. But it's just like one of those things. Like after the fact when you find out, oh, no, it wasn't really her. It was her assistant that was the real Stiga. Right. It makes me wonder, like, but why... Why was she out there, and why did she look so creepy? Well, and why did it seem like she was actually coming at them? Yes. Uh, we find out it's not her, though. It is Chad. Chad. It's always Chad. Uh, that, that. <laughs> which uh, I, I guess 
Stegas are also shapeshifters of of a sense of sorts because uh, Charlie describes them as like, oh, it's a it's a hot looking uh, bloke. Uh, the Stiga. Are you are you throwing shade at 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 Chad? Well, Chad, no, Chad was great, but then when Chad basically loses all the life force that he sucked out, he turns back into his what I think is his regular state. Oh, I assumed she was referring to Chad. Or to, like, some other Chad-esque form that the Stiga had taken. I mean, yeah, I mean, so I guess the, the, the Stiga just shapeshifts into an, an appealing form all the time. Yeah, I get, that's, that was my reading of it. Unless, hey, maybe that's her type. Yeah, but I'm thinking, like, why are you changing to that in, in hell? Uh, I mean, because I think you're with all the other kind of demons and magical creatures. They really don't care about a, a good-looking human. I feel like it's like a party trick, right? It's like, look, I'm going to look like this dude, and I'm going to go up and do demon stuff to people. Ooh, and they're all like, you're drunk. Huh, all right. Well, we do get a split in this where we get uh, Ava and Sarah have to fight the Stiga while Ray and John have tracked down the kids, see that they're all in, in captivity. They open them up, and Constantine's going to do a spell to suck out the life force from the Stiga and return it back to the kids. And I thought that was a, a nice uh, nice bit where, again, like I had mentioned before, it's nice to see that it's not always going to rely on John. To do all the heavy lifting. Right. He can be part of the solution, but he, uh, Sarah and Ava are actually the ones that get to dispatch the Stiga. Yes. And then we get, again, we get all that wonderful business like Ray is vindicated when his campers kind of show up with the, with the kid counselor. They all kind of show up and they save the day with the skills that he imparted to them, which was really nice. I admit, I can watch Matt Ryan just do his, whatever his incantations are. All day. Yes. He, he he makes me buy into that. Oh, totally. And doing like the whole like the, you know, the Doctor Strange kind of hand magic stuff. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I guess we all quietly agreed that that's just how comic book wizardry looks on screen now. Yeah. And like, I'm OK. That's not a complaint. I'm fine with it. No. But I like that we all just kind of silently agree. Yeah, it's this and orange squares with circles in them. Yep. And you just spin your hands around and like, all right, cool things happen. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm absolutely with it's you. It's so all I need. I'm placated. Uh, but we get to see that they suck back the life force into all the kids, which is great. And we get to see a lot of Matt Ryan just kind of doing his shaky hands, looking cool. But one kid doesn't quite come all the way back. No. And uh, he says, oh, you know, I'm not going to lose another kid. Which, certainly, if you've been a fan of the Constantine show, you understand, like, you know, the, the difficulty he has when a child is lost mm-hmm. under his watch. Uh, and it looks like he... If, what the magic that he used gave back gave him some of his life force. It seemed to be is yes, that was my reading of it as well, and that sort of leaves Constantine in a bit of a state as we end the episode. Yeah, where it's for whatever reason that whatever spell he used to transfer his life force is now killing him as well, and so <laughs> I do like well, there's one person that we could maybe find, but I have no idea how to find her, and that of course is Nora Dark at a Ren Fair. At a Ren Fair, Oh, uh, oh man, uh, soup. I don't, I don't know. What I, soup. That's what I got. I am. I, I, I think we've talked about my dis, my dislike for run fairs. Have we? I don't know. Have we? We may have touched on that. I'm not a huge fan of the run fairs. Right. Well, what, what is it about it that just really turns you off? Well, uh, one too much of the Queen's English, and I feel like it's. We all we all know that this is a conceit, but at some point it's like I want you to just drop the guys and talk to me as a real human being. Okay, that's what it is. Yes, it's not like we got away from you hundreds of years ago. You talk normal. Yeah, no, it's just like if I've asked you a question, I you know I'm I'm asking you a, a real life question because I really don't want a real life answer. Please don't do your bits. We all know it's a bit. Please, at some point I want you to just to stop. But that's and just their talk job. Oh no, but they need it to eat. My my, you know, if I come over, my daughter's missing. I think she might be abducted. And they're doing, oh, oh wrong. I'm not. Yeah, like, no, no. At some point, please <laughs> stop it. So i uh, not a huge fan of the Red Fair. Okay. Fair enough. I, I've been, but I haven't been in a very long time. It's something I would do again. 
<laughs> but it's not something I guess I don't there are some people who are like Ren Fair people. Like every time the Ren Fair is in town, we're going, we're dressing up. I spent five hundred dollars on all these brooches. Um, but I've never been that person. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, I do have a lot of brooches though. <laughs> <laughs> uh Lex Michael fun fact for this episode. No business in shorts. All the business and brooches. I love it. Uh, I do like, too, that uh, Nora Dark, canonically, bad at making soup. Yes, that is true. Now, that's a... Oh, no. But I'm not a lusty wench. I'm a lusty witch. I'm a witch. Be a lusty witch. Oof. Yeah, that dude's gross. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why and I don't rude. like fairs. That's why I don't like runfairs. He's gross because gross. They're, oh, they're all that guy. That's right, yeah. Like, you walk around and you just see that guy insulting your soup-making prowess. Oh, just a bunch of skeevy dudes. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting close to wrapping up, but we have uh, time to do a, a little bit of news. Ooh, there's news. Just after Buzz TV news. Uh, so, of course, we've been watching. Uh, I which noticed tonight they started doing some promos for the big Elseworlds event. Mm. Legends is not a part of that, but it is nice seeing some of that happening. So you can see what looks like to be the twist where uh, it is uh, not just the uh, where Ali and Barry are keeping their same names, but have different origins. They've actually seemed to kind of take over each other's place. Yes. So can I understand? I, I saw a little bit like a, a still from a promo, like it's uh, Barry waking up with Iris. Yeah. Not Barry, I'm sorry. Uh, Oliver Ollie. waking up with yeah. uh, with Iris. What is the? Is there a single element looking ahead to that crossover that at this moment you feel the most excited about? Well, uh, they also released a photo, uh, I believe it was on Friday, uh, of, uh, of Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah, and seeing that, and that just got me just absolutely a hot diggity dog about that one. Is yes. that it? for me? For me, it's a, it's a runoff between that and '90s Flash. Oof, that's true. I'm, uh, ins- I'm so I'm hyped. I'm so there for I it. I absolutely am. Uh, but we also have a little bit of info about the uh, the episode of Legends of Tomorrow that's going to be airing November 26th. Okay, at the end of this month, it's going to be Tender is the Nate. So we're going to be uh, seeing a little bit of focus on our uh, our 2018 member of the Legends crew, Nate. He's going to be a uh, good old, uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, hanging out with his dad. We're going to get Tom Wilson back as Hank Haywood. That's good, because why, you got if you're going to bring in Tom Wilson, like keep him around as long as possible. Get as much mileage out of your Tom Wilson as you can. And uh, there, he's going to invite uh, Hank, because, of course, Hank's worried about the budget issues. You know, the Legends, tomorrow, this is a big government organization now. Where's all this funding going to? So he's finally going to get back on the Wave Rider, so it looks like this is going to be the opportunity where we get to see Nate run into Charlie. I really hope someone pays him the courtesy of a heads up. Uh, Yeah, and so they're heading back to 1920s Paris. So we'll see what happens to them in that episode. Nice. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, But as we wrap up, we got about like a minute for some hot predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. All right, Lex. I will pose my the prediction I'd like to hear from you in the form of a question. Okay, uh, Charlie, do you mm-hmm. feel like much like I think Constantine is like a one and done uh, for the season with uh, the Legends? Do you see Charlie being a one and done as well? Two weeks ago, when I was here last, we talked super briefly about how they were going to be uh, introducing the new Maisie Richardson Sellers character in the next episode, and I think what I threw out there was maybe she could be their Tom Cavanaugh. Like you, because her energy fits so well with that dynamic, she bounces off of those other performers so well. It would be a shame to lose her entirely. Bring her, bring her back. Just get new character, same face every season. I'm there for that. Or if they want to keep Charlie forever, keep Charlie forever. Or for a year or two, they kept uh, Harry on Flash for like two years. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like when you're it's the Council of Wells, so it's makes it makes more sense to always have it be Tom Cavanaugh because it's you know he's a blame just alternate Earth versions trying to come up with the reason why these people look like Amaya but aren't Amaya. 
I think we'd start kind of straining credibility. Hello, I'm Amaya from Earth 41. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) This is the Earth where we're all really into polo. (laughs) I'm a terrible Earth. I don't know if I'd want to. The horse of the water. Horses in water. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> mm, all right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show. Lex and I, we sailed to victory. That's what I'm going to say. We did it. We did it. We're, we're going to play some polo. Oh, no. Oh, boy. All right. That's great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for hopping in the chat. As always, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you want to get in touch with either of us, even after the show's over... Lex, where can they find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at TheLexMichael, and I also do a podcast with my buddy Tari J. Miller. It's called Missing Out, where people share their passions, the media, the experiences that have resonated with us and helped inform the people that we become. It's the retrospective that's introspective. Find it wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio. It's on Twitter as well, at MissingOutcast. Uh, please, come check it out. We love you. Oh, look at that. How can I top that? Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, folks, at Happy Go Jackie. We'll be back here next Monday night with an all-new episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Speed off. Swamp off forever. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 